Hello and welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast. I'm your host, Ads Lyson. I'd just like to take a second to say thank you to everyone for the support on the last episode with John Thompson. Your feedback was instrumental, so thank you. In this episode, my guest is Kenny Baker, co-owner of Flow Martial Arts in Plymouth. Kenny is an extraordinary character and this episode shares an insight into his upbringing and also how he developed into a high-level grappler. He shares stories of training with high-level jiu-jitsu practitioners here in the UK and in New York at Henzo Gracie's Academy. He also explains on how he came to open one of the top martial arts academies in the southwest of the United Kingdom, Flow Martial Arts. Please enjoy my conversation with Kenny Baker. Kenny Baker, welcome to the podcast. Hey, How are you doing? Good, mate. Good. Yeah. Yeah. How's uh, COVID been treating you? It's been treating me well. Yeah. It's not as rough as they say. <laughs> it's all lies. <laughs> um, right. So, to start the podcast. Then, what I'd like to do is, uh, you know, just get a little bit of a feel for you. You know, you you growing up, how you got into jujitsu and martial arts, and how you how you got to where uh, where you are today. So basically, well, I was actually I was brought up in Tavistock, which is about 20 miles out in the country, a little bit, a little town. Um, so Francis Drake was from Tavistock. Pretty cool. Was he inbred as well? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I was brought up there. It's, it's, it's a strange town. It's like uh, cheese shops by day and vampires by night um, when I was younger. So uh, in, the, in the evenings, it's obviously like a, a villagey, lots of villages and towns come together. Um, a lot of families and stuff, so you know, when drinking starts to flow, everyone either is in, well, you can guess what sort of happens in those situations. A lot, always a lot of fights and things going on. Um, my my family, or a lot, a lot of the guys in my family, they're all boxers. So I think um, as far back as I know, is my great granddad, my granddad, my dad, my uncle. They're all boxers. I think my great granddad and granddad are pretty good. Um, my uncle could have been pretty good. Um, my dad just sort of dabbled in it, but they were all big boxing enthusiasts. So from like, such a young age, I was, I was always in, in around that sort of thing. Um, massive Mike Tyson fan and, and watching him as I was growing up. So it was always sort of in me a little bit. Um, so then I got into as I got a little older, um, Jean Claude Van Damme. <laughs> I was into uh, a lot of martial art videos and films and stuff. Uh, so I wanted to take up martial arts so I was always doing a little bit of boxing at home or just you know pl- more play boxing you know? um, and then um, I started taking up actually I took up judo first um, for about a week and then I remember I was about nine and I went there and it was like everyone's being yelled at and shouting scared me where was that is that in Tavistock yeah, or was it in Plymouth? like a, a little village hall in Tavistock um so there's a lot of bigger kids then as well. So there's like the old school martial arts as well. You know, everyone's like very regimented and very, very disciplined. And um, I guess it just scared me as a nine-year-old or whatever. So um, it wasn't until I was about 11. I started up, uh, or 10 actually maybe, I, I took up karate. Um, and then I got obsessed with that. Um, I've done that for about five years, I think, five, six years. Um, 
just religiously that was all I thought about done karate and kickboxing um, uh, and then from there I, I took a break for a few years and then uh, it was I just got sort of fed up with it and in a sense like I got to black belt I got my black belt from it and then and then there was a part of me because I was always getting into like <laughs> I guess fights and in, in, in town and, and whatnot as a kid um, there's always an element of you know if a guy's big and he grabs hold of you it was, I was always like sort of stuck um, or just even big alone it's, it's just having that like that big guy that horsepower coming at you it's, yeah. it was um, it was just tough to deal with um, so it wasn't until years later really a few years later that I saw actually I was into then I started getting into bodybuilding a little bit <laughs> Nice. You can, see, you can still see the see it, right? Yeah, massive. Yeah, so ripped. Um, <laughs> so I got into that for a while, and then um, I went to the old HMV stores, and um, I think I was looking at some videos, or whatever, and I seen uh, a, a UFC video. Um, it was a VHS hmm? uh, UFC two, and um, yeah, I, I picked that up, and I was like, read it, and I was like, and I remember when I quit karate, there was it was just starting to come on the scene, I think, this UFC thing, and I, so it sort of triggered an alarm bell in my head. But I also read it and thought, this can't be real. It's like no hold bars, no rules. Yeah. Pick that up. And I thought, Let's see what this is about. I remember watching that and watching um, obviously you know, Ken Shamrock, Hoist Gracie, and I was I was into it because of Ken Shamrock. So I was like, seek on that guy, you know. Um, he wasn't the world's most dangerous man then, no, was he? he was the world's most best-looking man. <laughs> he's close. Um, so yeah, then I, I, this Hoist Gracie was there, and I was like, "Oh, he's going to get, he's going to get whooped," because everyone else is huge, and, and um, we all know the story from there. So yeah, yeah. I, I instantly got obsessed. I was like, I, I have to find this. I had, to, I had to find someone that, that taught jujitsu. Um, it was actually a friend of mine who was into he was into WWF. He, he was like he'd do the local thing, yeah, and do his own little shows. Um, he said to me, "There's a place in Plymouth that done ballet Tudor. and I yep. was like, "I'm not into ballet." <laughs> He's like, "No, it's uh, it's MMA. It's like um, what the Brazilians called no hold bars. Yep. It's the original like MMA." Um, and that was the nearest thing. It had obviously a bit of grappling in it, so I went along, and that was pretty much it. Um, from that point, I've not stopped since. Um, so my first rule introduction to jiu-jitsu was actually MMA. I was, I was, so I'd already done karate in the back previously. I actually had a couple of MMA fights. I even known much jiu-jitsu at all. Yeah. I, I, I knew a guillotine. I didn't know a shrimp. I didn't have a shrimp in me until two years in, after training. So um, it was strange times because, you know, it's hard for people to realize now that people didn't even know what the UFC was back then like nobody yeah let alone like jiu-jitsu or anything like that well, it's only the last 10 years really yeah, that's absolutely. come mainstream isn't it really and i i became absolutely obsessed with those early ufcs um and to the point it was actually i was buying the early ones and i didn't even realize they were up to date to the point where i think it was up to usc 30 or something but at that point right and i still thought we were still like you know no gloves and all that stuff so i was buying all these these dvds and watching it and i remember uh, people at the time saying like have you watched this? It's like, and I used to say to him, "This is going to be huge." You know, there's a massive part of me that just, I just knew this was going to be huge. Yeah. How you could not watch that and just instantly be like um, hypnotized by it, almost. Um, it's one of the few sports that's sort of universal. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter what language you speak or where you're from. Everybody understands a fight. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, 
and even though though I said like this is going to be huge there's still a part of you that you know thinks it probably won't but it should be but then it wasn't until UFC I think 40 came along um, that was really a turning point I think uh, Ken Shamrock fought Tito Ortiz yeah I remember that yeah that was really the first turning point because Ken Shamrock had left the UFC and gone away and become quite a big star in the WWF or WWE, WWE, WWE world then, um, yeah. So yeah, I think that was start that to me that that felt like the turning point because when, when that happened, it was like wow, there's famous people in the audience, and it was really like that felt like the turning point, and it sort of from that point onwards, and obviously then you had the tough show and whatnot. And yeah. just, to, from what it was then, 10, 10, 15, 15 years ago to what it is now, it's just it's just insane. Yeah, it's yeah. insane. I never, I'm not not really ever seen anything like grow that quickly. Yeah. I think what it is is you know back back in those days um, people didn't like reality or people don't like reality you know so if you've got a guy that's in the ring or even in the street and they see a street fight it's probably the most horrific thing they've ever yeah. seen because they've never seen a physical fight before yeah. so having it in a controlled environment where guys have got what four ounce gloves on and they're kicking the crap out of each other taking people down and ground and pound yeah. and then in those days you know you could you know soccer kick someone in the head yeah. or knee them on the ground and stuff it was really really brutal yeah. but from your sort of like primitive part of your brain it's naturally ingrained into yeah. you yeah it's who we are it's yeah who we are. and the thing is no matter how much like people say you know they don't, they don't like fighting or whatever if they see a fight they're going to stop and watch you know or video mean? it now <laughs> yeah yeah uh, um, but yeah, it's it's insane. It is. It's, it's like one of those. It's like, it's like sex, and, and, and it's like the same. You know, sex fighting. This, these industries are like very very powerful. That's it taps into our primitive side. Um, and I think people don't even realize how much they like it sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you could almost convert it to you know, if you look at things on the news, you know, war zones and stuff like yeah. that. You, you put that graphic information in front of people. They don't like it there all the time yeah. because it is so, it is reality. And I, I and I kind of talk about bubbles where people like to live in their own little bubble and anything outside of their bubble, it doesn't, nothing really exists to them. 100%. Then when that bubble gets popped, like for instance, let's just say for the Russians came over to the United Kingdom and, you know, started invading and we were doing guerrilla wars and stuff like that within our own little towns and stuff. Man, that's thrown into your face, and then people are like, oh, "Actually, this is, this is reality." You know, and it's funny. I was, I was talking about the other day with a lot of things. Is people, I think, once we get ourselves in our bubbles, which we can get into very quickly, we very, very, like, soon forget reality on, on a big level. It's like it was only seventy years ago. Some guy was trying to was trying to like, um, you know, gather up Jews and put them into gas chambers. That was only seventy years ago. Yeah, that's insane. But even though we know that, there's a difference between knowing that and ha having that underst real understanding, that feeling behind that. So, like, you know, we, we think we're safe here, but at any time, something bad could really happen. War could happen at yeah. any point. I mean, look what's happening now, the last, like, four or five months. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's, um, and I think, uh, I don't know, man, I don't, I don't know what's really, I just think um, people need to pay attention to these things a little bit sometimes to, to realise they're not the most important thing in the world. No. And, and I, you know, with this time off as well, from my point of view, I've kind of, 
the first like month or so was kind of difficult because you know you were at home and yeah. in in proper proper lockdown. I use that in inverted commas for some people. <laughs> um, you kind of start to realise what is important to you as well, and what and what you miss, what you need, and what you want. Yeah. I think people kind of need that little that little kick sometimes as well. This is the beautiful thing about grappling, fighting as well, but grappling in particular, because it's one of the few things you're going to get in modern day life that is a real sense of instant reality. So, you know, all the little conceived ideas you have about yourself, all the little notions that you make up and how great you are and you, you, how you create this ego for yourself and this, you think you're this something special, you suddenly get on the mat and some you know, half your weight guy is choking you to death. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, there's a realisation there. There's no hiding from that. None. There's no hiding from that. You mean you can make excuses up and you get that. You get guys like, they're going to keep making excuses up, but then eventually they'll quit. That's all that will happen. But if you keep stick at it and keep going and keep going, um, you, you have to admit, I always joke about this, you like to swear on this podcast. Yeah, do what you want. You, you have to you have to acknowledge that you're just a piece of shit in the universe, and I don't mean that in like a horrible way, but I mean like it's important to to, to stay humble in that way because you are. If you ultimately were all said and done, you, you're a, you're a speck of the universe. You're not that important, but because we are we we are like in our own selves, we think we're like the most important thing. Everything revolves around us. Jiu-Jitsu suddenly humbles that very quickly. Um, There's not not much line behind it. You get instant feedback. Um, you're getting choked. You're getting pinned to the floor by some guy. There's nothing you can do about it. You've now got to face all these little excuses in your head, and they're gone. You know, you've got nothing left. Yeah. This guy's better than me. This guy beat me. Essentially, this guy killed me. That was reality. That guy's just killed me. So, once you start to take strip away all the all the shit that you think of yourself, these amazing things you think of yourself, and you're just left rawly with who you are and admitting who you are that's when you can build yourself up because everything else is built on, on a fake platform if you can't do, do that you know so at some point that, that deck of cards is, is, is going to go so and it, I would imagine it's the same with a lot of things like war and you know soldiers and stuff that have been in, in, in serious combat I think you, you soon learn who you are and, I, and, and it what does Jesus do it creates a band of, of, of brothers almost. it creates all sisters <laughs> Yeah. in this modern world but it, it creates uh, a bond between people and 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 uh, military does the same you know especially the guys that have gone on tour together and yeah there are some really unbreakable good bond it's good, good crossovers between the two yeah it's just about it's about stripping back who you really are exposing who you are and your brothers and sisters next to you are doing the same and you're all on this journey together and that's to me that's that's creating like a real family that's that that's to me, the the um, what's the word? I don't know, but that's that's like the bond that, that that's like more powerful than, than many other things. Does yeah, that make sense? no, no, it does. It makes perfect sense because you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, when you come into this world, you're just bare naked body, yeah, and you've only got your physical attributes that that you've been granted in life, mm. and you know, when you are grappling. Or fighting, it is the m most primitive yeah. part of and, and, being. And, and, and growing up, that's why, as as as, as you're a kid growing up, you're an em you're an empty shell of knowledge, you know. And it's important that 
parents and people put the right kind of things in. That's why losing is so important as a kid. You have to lose. It's the only way you really develop in life. Yeah. You know, it's like, as, a, as a baby, you know, you don't, you don't get a baby, you start to, like trying to walk and then fall over and then, wow, this shit ain't for me. You know, they don't quit on that. You, you keep going until you can walk. And it's the same with everything. But you have to take the falls. You have to lose. Because you don't know who you are until, until that point. Yeah. You know? Um, so, you know, the, the, this whole, like, you know, everyone's a winner. It's not life. That, that's just not life. And I'm not going to bring my kids up believing that. You make yourself become the winner. You don't become the victim. You, you make yourself be the winner. And, and and if you fail, you can rest with yourself. You know, you can you can live with that. You, you, you tried your best, but you've been honest with yourself. But when you haven't been honest with yourself, you make make up this 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 idea of who you think you are. And I should have. You start to point fingers. You blame other people. You you you're not being honest to yourself. You know, and that's where the insecurities come from, in my opinion. Um, be comfortable with who you are. Be comfortable with being honest with yourself, because we're all just pieces of shit in the universe. Yeah. <laughs> but mere little bits of space yes. dust floating around. Yes, I probably should change that word because I think some people are like I'm not a piece of shit in the universe. <laughs> Doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> but it's um, yes, yeah, the, these things. But I, I, it's hard because it's like I even think you know kids fighting. It's so important. Yeah, that that stuff's important. Well, I think it is. It's, um, I mean, I'm not talking about like to the death. You know what I mean? But having those little scraps and stuff as a kid, it's a lot. You learn a lot of respect that way. Well, it's also character building character as well. Character building. You learn, again. It's just, you just learn about who you, who you are, and be, and then being honest. You, it's very hard to walk away from a fight that you've lost, finding excuses because that's why you get that sinking feeling in the heart. You know, and it's really from there you you've got to just start being honest with yourself and. I lived in um, New York for a while um, and I was talking to my friends over there. I think they have like this three strike rule where, where if you get in trouble more than three times you can go to jail and stuff. Oh, okay. Basically, the, when that sort of came into play over there, a lot, a lot of people became a lot more rude and stuff because like the general people. Um, this is what I've been told. Um, and it's sort of like, if I can, if I know there's no repercussions from you, if I can talk to you how I want, you know, and I'm annoyed, I woke up bad that morning or whatever, then that's what's going to happen. You know, if I'm going to start talking to you like I probably wouldn't, because I knew you could kick my ass and you probably would, I'm probably going to do that. This is, there is that level of respect there. It doesn't mean you're walking around like a bully, but if you know the guy next to you, can just give you a slap if you're going to be out <laughs> of line. It's like you suddenly have an instant like feel of like respect for that. You know what I mean? Um, but here's the, here's the thing with that. When... when what do you rarely see fighters do? You rarely see them lose a temper and fight each other or, or other people. They get that out of their system. They're, they, they're understanding how to control that. If you suppress that, so you, you, know, you tell your kids you mustn't fight, you mustn't run, you mustn't do this, you mustn't do that constantly. It's just this like form of suppression. Don't jump in that puddle. It's like all these things are, 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 are like learning things that they, they must do as they grow. And you keep suppressing, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. You grow up and you're like, you know, you get into an argument with your girlfriend or whoever. What, what happens? You've not been in those situations before. Yeah. You don't know how to deal with your emotions. I think that's, so where Mar- yeah, that's where martial arts really comes in. I mean, I, I did taekwondo when I was younger. and Yeah, I, did, yeah, I didn't really, <laughs> But there wasn't really much going on, you know. Like, I was similar to you. I did a bit of karate. 
um, I boxed when I was, a, you know, in my teens, but there wasn't really that much going on. You know, I didn't, I didn't even find out about MMA really until what two thousand and thirteen, literally two thousand thirteen. Like, but I'd surfed since I was like fourteen, so that was like like my thing. And um, you know, a few of my friends had done it, and I was like, Dad. and they've asked me to come and do a bit of grappling with them. I was like, nah, I'm not going to hug blokes, or you know, it's it's a, it's a little bit. Here we yeah. are now, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love where I am now. But yeah, you know, um, going back to like what you're talking about with kids and stuff, the 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 self discipline and the um, uh, the sort of like the rules that are set by martial arts, mm. uh, and and if you stick with it when you're younger to when you're older, it, it sets that character mm. where you know you can understand empathy. You'll lose if you're sparring. It's good if you're winning, but you're also humble with it as well because you always know that there is going to be somebody better yeah. than you at the other side yeah. of it. It, it, it. One of the biggest things I think is important is being being relaxed and being comfortable with loss, with losing. Not being scared of losing, not being afraid of losing, not wanting to shy away from, from exposing yourself in case you lose. Um, because if you don't do that, you're never gonna you're never gonna move forward with anything in life. You're never gonna try anything new. You're never gonna experience anything new. Yeah. You're just gonna keep yourself in your safety bubble. So. Yeah. So uh, you started doing Valtudo. Yes. Um, was that was that down here in Plymouth? That was yeah. It was um, a place called Saints at the time. It was along Mut Mutley. Okay. Mutley yeah, yeah. Um, a guy called. Simon, Simon and Phil Holmes used to do it. So they were like in the early days, very good at what they'd done. Um, they, I think one of them was like sort of in brackets, sort of a British champion. Okay. Um, but but they were more like that. That old school, a lot of Thai boxing involved, um, and just a, a rudimentary form of like basic grappling, I guess. Um, that was it. White, probably white belt at best, really, compared to now. Yeah. Um, but it was always like I'd done a few MMA fights and stuff but it was just really the grappling I was interested in I actually trialed for um, one of the UFC Tough uh, shows okay I was actually invited up there like because I, I, I was under Carl Tanswell so basically when I was training I wanted to do more jiu-jitsu and um, a couple of friends of mine they moved they went away on holiday to America uh, near Oregon right and whilst they were over there, they spent like six weeks training with, they went to go to t train at Team Quest. But around the corner, there was a SBG gym because um, a lot of the guys from Team Quest went to SBG to, to do some more jiu-jitsu. So a guy called Matt Thornton, who's the, the founder of SBG, he, they went there to train with him. And after about six weeks, they came back and they were like mind blown. I was mind blown. They, they wrote down all the materials, they, they, they you know, material that they learned and videoed a lot of things. And it was really from there we started learning what jiu-jitsu was, shrimps and stuff. I mean, that's the first time I learned a shrimp and I was like, mind blown. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's yeah, like, yeah. wow, you just like do that and you get to there. And that, that to me then, it was like from that point onwards, we found there was an SBG gym headquarters in the UK in Manchester from yeah. Carl Tanswell. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we'd done like a few little trips up to, to them. I also got Carl down to do um, some seminars and whatnot. Um, 
and that was really it. That was that was where we got our stuff from. We didn't have a permanent coach or anything. Yeah, uh, it was just me and my my two friends, um, and we just went from there. We were trained, take bits. But it, even though we weren't spoon-fed much material, but like Carl and it, or SVG were very good at like teaching you how to become a coach, the, the fundamentals, and giving you some good concepts to work on. And from that point, it was like we could just keep training with each other, isolate things, and, and just go from there. And we yeah. improved a lot, you know. Do you feel the way that you teach now, um, you know, was influenced by that? Massively. Like... Um, yeah, Carl was like to me one of the greatest coaches. Um, he wasn't just teaching you jujitsu; he was teaching you about you. Um, if if you had insecurities and stuff or whatever, and you're on the mat, he, he would see him. He would see him straight away. Um, he had a gift there, and he was very good at then exposing them, yeah. bring them to attention. And you know, sometimes it would, it would piss you off, you know what I mean? Like, but he would be always doing it for the right right reasons. And you have to pay attention to those things. As I was saying, like you, you can't improve fast if you have an ego. You can't, you, you can't develop this way. You have to just get and strip yourself down. And a lot of time, you just have to face who you are. And so yeah, he 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 would he would give us a lot of um, insight into who we were. Give us some fundamentals in jiu-jitsu. Would go away, and that, that's what I'd work on. And then there's massive gains, massively. Day. I mean, even when I went to New York and trained with uh, John, Henzo, um, Eric, and whatnot but when i think about like really car had like the biggest influence on me probably not so much at the time either even it was more now looking back like when i look back and i'm like wow i do that and that and that and it's like all from him and yeah. it, to be fair a lot of those those coaches that i just spoke about they're all very similar in, in a way and i think all great coaches are we had we had um greg jackson down here a couple a year ago year 18 months yes. ago yeah yeah um, and again, very similar to like a lot of stuff the coaches are doing, SBG and whatnot. It's very fundamentally sound, solid stuff. Yeah, I think what I got taught when I was um, so when I when I changed jobs in the Marines and and, uh, and I went over to being a physical training instructor, one of the things that stuck with me and has stuck with me through through coaching was that you should do as many courses as you can, not necessarily because you want to do those coaching courses, but the people that are teaching them, you can take bits of yeah. how they teach and how they coach yes. and use it within your um, within your own coaching yeah. set. And, yeah. and you know, you know you're talking about the way that you teach. What I find when, when you're teaching here is that you might not think it, but you break things down, even complex maneuvers or, um, you know, you teach on a submission or something, you'll break it down to the point where you're, you're not just explaining this is how you do it, you're explaining this is why you do it. Yeah. And if you, if you don't do this, then you're not going to be successful in what you're doing. And, and that's, you know, it, if you're teaching somebody that way, it's the most basic form of coaching, yeah. I think. I think as well, like, if you can't, there's a saying, is it, I think, again, I think it was maybe Einstein or someone, but if you can't teach a six-year-old, explain something to a six-year-old, then you don't really understand it. Um, it's sort of true. Um, I, I try to, 
See, it's funny. I, I'll walk away sometimes from classes and I'll go to my girlfriend. And I'm like, I'll be like frustrated, especially like a few years back. I'd be so frustrated. I'm like, I sort of said, did I, I didn't did I explain that well. I didn't. I didn't. It didn't come across well. I always feel like I struggled to articulate things. I'm not very good with my vocabulary. I'm pretty. You know, I'm not. A little bit dyslexic, or a little bit dyslexic. You can't be any worse than I am. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I do get frustrated because sometimes I, I don't have the words that I need to explain things, and it actually, definitely, like it really gets me frustrated sometimes. But yeah, I think because I was essentially self-taught, um, and Carl ingrained fundamentals all the time. It's it's stuck with me to the point where like I understand something really well, and I'm not I'm not teaching something unless I know I can do it. Yeah, yeah. And I've always wanted to answer, if someone taught me something, they probably thought I was being a bit of an ass. Like, when I, when I when they would teach, show me something or teach me something, I wouldn't just say, oh, cool, and then apply it. I'd be like, yeah, but why? I'd always want to know why. Why would I want to do that? And I wasn't doubting what they're saying. I just wanted to know the ins and outs of every reason. I'd choose that that particular move or whatever it was. Why, 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 why? Um, until then, you run out of whys and you, you've literally got the complete answer. So um, Take something, it's like an onion, and then, and then strip away the layers. Keep stripping things away, and I, and I do that now with my um. I've learned so much over the last couple of years teaching the basic one on one class. It's one of my favorite classes to teach, and with that class, I have set positions that I work on each week, and it's on like a, a six week rotation. So anybody new that comes in, they stay. They have to spend a few months, there, a couple months there, or whatever. But they get through the, the whole system eventually. Whether they jump in, say we're jumping into close guard that week the following week will be you know bottom and top side control whatever um but teaching that uh, over the last couple of years i've stripped away so much more material from that class that i just didn't need it just didn't need like if you're a, a new person beginning it's like you don't need to know well your hip wants to put there to put that pressure there you want to put that, they don't care they don't know they're not going to remember this the minute they're struggling to walk properly <laughs> you know so there's a couple of things that I need to make sure. Firstly, is that the mindset's correct. You know, that that's the main thing for me is that I get their mindset correct and just get them moving as soon as possible in a healthy way, but with an understand a basic, 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 basic understanding. And with that basic understanding, I've just stripped that way more and more. So it's literally like I'm teaching a, a child what what to do. Um, so and I, and I feel like people develop a lot quicker that way now. Everything takes time. Um, you know when you're trying to, you know what it's like in jiu-jitsu, you, you see this move and that move and you, oh, you want to learn that one. You, next minute you're trying to learn 20 moves at the same time and it's just not, it's not how you do it. It's like trying to drive a car and then go at 90 mile an hour. Also, whilst trying to race other people on the most hideous track ever. It's like it's not, you don't, you're not even learning how to drive yet. I, th- I, tell you, I tell you where that's quite a, a prominent feature is if you ever, well, when you go to seminars, yeah. so you're paying your money to get, you know, get taught something for a few hours by, you know, a top guy. And he might think he's keeping it really simple or, uh, you know, or um, or teaching like, a, like, for instance, something that you would think was really like simple would be like yeah. a guillotine. But then they'll throw loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of different things yeah. into it instead of just keeping it really, really simple, right? This is where your wrist needs to go. This is where your hand needs to go. This is where, you know, your weight needs to be. Um, Keeping it super, super simple. And then people go away and do it, but they don't grasp the concept, especially if you're like you're, you know, you're newer to it, 
newer, newer to grappling than you are, you know, if you're a purple, brown, or obviously black belt. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, that's really difficult to try and um, to try and grasp that yeah. as well. It's hard because you got to know your audience, and that's the problem when you do like seminars. You have a mix of some mixed, uh, um, some mixed race, a mixed um, ability, ability of people. So, no matter what level, like details, fine tuning, um, that that's all. You know, all the different possibilities in SBG, they call it possibilities. They they're so they're so vast. There's so much of it. It's like in all different people are going to do slightly different and and everybody's at a different level and an understanding of different counters and blah, blah, blah. It goes on and on and on. But again, you strip all that down and it's still like all of them have to fundamentally do it in the same way. There's still those concepts and, 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 and that are the same across the board. And it's funny that even though high-level guys still sometimes don't have the best fundamentals, you need to still work on them. When you look at someone like... Roger Gracie, who to me is the genius yeah. of fundamentals. Um, you look at what he does, and he, he'll teach, I don't know, a guillotine or a mount control or cross check, whatever. Even though every, most guys know that at a good level, it's like there's still details within those fundamentals that he's taken to a whole new level. Yeah. Um, and you look at his game, it's quite a simplistic, it is a simplistic game from what you see visually. It's not. It's actually really, really technical, but it's really technical on a basic, or, or not basic, like a fundamental level. Yeah. Really understands. So, you know, you've got guys doing inversions and burn burlers and all that. He shuts that down because he knows if he can, I don't know, you know, keep that hip away or whatever at a certain time, it's like, that's what he understands. He needs to know one thing to shut down your 20 things. Does that make sense? So it's like, the biggest thing underlooked is the fundamentals, but people just people want products these days, don't they? You give me ten pound and I'll give you a product. They want to to have something that they tangibly see, and and, and that's why like a lot of people they want to teach these moves. To be honest, mate, like if you understand the fundamentals, you can watch a YouTube video, see a new technique, and pretty much grasp it straight away with yeah. a little bit of drilling. But yet you get a lot of people that I had some guys. Could develop very quickly because they had really good guard retentions and a good, good guard attacking game. But once that had been taken away and they were passed, or the, the, the fundamentals of like their escapes and that were terrible. Yeah, I actually noticed that a lot when I was at Henzo's. There were some really, really obviously good guys, world champions. Some of them, they're ex excellent, like unbeatable. But then when we started doing like isolated positional training, you'd start in a good spot or whatever, mm. and soon you see massive flaws in their game. There are weaknesses there, so it's because they've never been put there. They're, you know, no one really mounts them or takes their back or is in side control, so because they don't work on those things, they, there's some holes there. But you've got to think about that because if you know, as you you know yourself that there's a few holes in those sort of positions that only manifest into insecurities with the things you're good at. Yeah. So if I've got really good guard retention, but I'm terrible at escapes. The panic's going to be there a lot more to keep my guard retention on point. Mm. You know, that's going to create stress. That's going to hinder your breathing. So you really need to have a, have a good, complete, fundamentally packaged game. Yeah, you have to. You know, if you want to be, if you want to excel. Um, so yeah, I, I just always, I've always focused on the fundamentals. I've always had side projects. You know, I was, 
you know, when my back was healthy, like five, four years ago, my main game was actually for about three years, all, all the boom bowlers and leg drags, and I was following the Mendes stuff a lot, but the body doesn't hold up so well for that no more. And it's, it's funny because my game's become a lot more basic now than it ever has, you know? Um, and that's, that's going to happen as you get older. You can, you're going to find a lot of things you can't do that you've done, and heavier. <laughs> yeah. Older and heavier. <laughs> Which could be a benefit, yes, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, mate, fundam- fundamentals, and spend the time on understanding it. Not just, as a coach, I mean, if you can just perform it, you can perform it, great. But if you're going to coach, you need to understand it. And you need to be able to get that across to people. Looking at different types of sports and coaching and stuff, I mean, I, I, I get, I've been exposed to it quite a lot. Is um, I get quite frustrated with, I know I shouldn't, but people that teach things, but can't do them themselves. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a good example of that. Like swimming coaches, mm. you know, you get you get you get some swimming coaches um, that'll be on poolside, and they're telling people like how to do tumble turns or or um, uh, how to do a certain technique with their elbows and stuff to make their stroke more functional. Yeah. But when they get in the swimming pool. They swim like your nan, yeah. you know, and they're not applying what they're teaching. Yeah. Whereas, like, with jiu-jitsu and, and, and when you have coaches there, it's really good having them there. They've taught you it. Yeah. But then when they're actually training with you as well, I yeah. think that's really important yeah, too. Yeah, I've had this conversation before about whether the coach needs to be able to perform it to be a good coach and whatever. I'm sort of, there's a little bit of yes and no to both because... You know, you look at like I don't know the NFL, or whatever. You, you get, you get the guys running out, but you're not going to get the old coach there run out and show them how it's done. You know, that's not going to work. But you, in my opinion, you de- of course you you need to to have the full experience and understanding something. You need to be able to have done it to at least a certain level yeah. yourself. Um, you can have a really good eye. So some of the best coaches have a good eye and, and are very good at breaking things down and critique. John Dan has a good example, right? Obviously. He's a, he's a very good coach in that way that he's got a good eye for break things down. He's very articulate and he, he systematically puts things in a great, great order for learning and understanding. Um, but it, yeah, you can't, you can't get a guy that's like a white, blue belt, purple belt sort of be at that level and, and coach. You need to spend a lot of time to understand it yourself. Doesn't mean you have to be a world champion yourself. Of course not. Because you know, you got, you got, I've, got, I've seen plenty of world champions that not great coaches. No, no, you're right. It's just, it's just um, the two, the two different things, but one definitely helps the other if you yeah. do it, if you do it right. It's not, it's not a straightforward answer. Do you know what I mean? So, I think, um, I, like I, I'm very critical of myself, right? So, even when I've won a competition, you can see on the podium, I'm not the happiest. I never cared about the win or the lo- loss. Obviously, I don't want to lose, but I was always more concerned about the performance. How did I perform? Did I hit my potential? Did I do what I knew I could, I could do? You know, if I didn't and I still won, I'm not that happy. I just ain't. It's just, I'm just that way. Um, so I'm sort of like that with everyone else. I'm, I'm very good at. You put me in a room with the sun, you know, and I'll find darkness. <laughs> it's sort of how I'm a little bit wired. It's not always the healthiest thing for myself, but um, it, it makes me very. Because um, I want the best for my guys, you know what I mean? That's the annoying thing. It's like sometimes I'm a little blunt sometimes as well. But the thing is, there's nobody in this room that wants more for you than me in this 
because you are a representation of everything that I've done for the last yeah, yeah. 10 years. So it, it gets frustrating or it's actually annoying when someone takes it offensively because, or, or you know, they you, know, you, get, you get some students leave because they didn't get the next belt and things like that. It's like, I want you to get your belt more than you do. Mm. Because you're just thinking about you. I'm thinking about what I've done for the last 20 years and the whole team. I'm thinking about everything. So you represent the latest of me. <laughs> so I want you to have that belt when you really, really mean something. Yeah. Okay, not when you want it because it's a good feel-good factor or it's good for Instagram or whatever the hell. You know, I'm not going to sell myself out for that. Um, but that's for you. It's like I'm doing this for you not just for me. Um, so that gets frustrating sometimes. But you, you're not going to change some, some people like that. They, just, just, they don't really care about the um, substance or something. You just want something for the sake of wanting it because it makes them feel good. Yeah, I, th- I think that goes well, you know, with the way that you you have your attention to detail. And, and I think you putting that self-pressure on yourself is also a good trait to have because you know you're your own critic yeah and if you're not your own critic and you are happy with what you're doing and you don't change anything Mm -hmm. then your ability to coach and see things is never going to change either yeah yeah i'm i'm never happy with where i'm at but you name anybody that is though Mm. some people might be happy they might say they're happy where they're stuck doing the same that's yeah. nine to five job going to a factory doing this and that, but deep down they're not. No. Then they're not. No one, you know, the 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 natural human instinct isn't meant to be stuck doing the same thing yeah. day in day day out. You know, we're hunter gatherers. We're designed to go out, explore, do lots of different things, have experiences. Yeah. You know, and even if you just focus on that one thing and go, well, yeah, this is my life. Well, you know, I, I would suggest that you need to change that, yeah. and you'll never be happy. Hundred uh, percent. Every year, if I if I look back and I'm doing the same stuff, or it's, it's in the same way, I'm not happy. Uh, it's just this feeling inside me. So the last three months have been an absolute nightmare for me. It's like just not been able to progress in anything really that that I want to do. You know, yeah. it's um it, that's super frustrating. But yeah, man, I, 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 I love this team here. That you know, I love the environment and stuff, and and I and I, I hold it really dear to me. So that's why I can take it quite personally sometimes if I feel like it's being flawed, yeah. or because, you know, I listen to to a lot of people. Like I, I, I I'm, I'm like, uh, I listen to all sorts of ideas, and you look at the people we have here. There's such a mixed bunch of yeah. people, you know. Um, and I like that. Doesn't mean I always agree or, or whatever, but to me, um, it has to improve constantly. It can't stay plateaued. And, and then some people gauge themselves against others. It's the worst thing. Like, oh, he got that belt, and I'm better than him. Your journey is different. Your journey is different. And me as a coach, I have to look at everybody individually and be like, I always look at it as bar charts, you know, and for each person. So their attributes are great here, or their their mental ability is really good here, or, or, or their technique might be low here, or um, their attitude, that's a massive one for me, the attitude of, of how they are, because your attitude carries the rest of it. Does that make sense? Like, if you have an ego and all those things, it's not gonna, it, 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 you're always gonna struggle. 
And that's what, right from the very start, we were talking about. You have to strip yourself down and be raw with yourself. Yeah. Be honest with yourself. And sometimes I highlight those things to them, like Carl used to do with me, right? He would, he would highlight. Like, I remember Carl once, I, I talk so quickly sometimes. Uh, like, if I'm, if I'm thinking, I just, it comes out, so I interrupt people sometimes. But yeah. it's just like my mind's just, and it, because I've got a terrible memory, and if I don't say it now, I'm not, it's going to get forgotten. But it, he would say things like, I have a quote on the wall down there, it says, um, two, two, uh, two ears, one mouth. And I remember I was at his gym once and one of his guys was showing me something. He could, and I, already knew, I think I might have already known what it was, whatever it was. And uh, I think it was a purple belt at the time. And Carl stood there and he goes to whoever it was, Matt or whatever. He says, show him that, that De La Hiva thing. So he showed me it. And as he showed me it, I sort of interrupted. Go, oh, because you, you put this here and that and that and that, that foot there. And Carl just looks at me and goes, bro, so you got two ears, one mouth. Fucking use it. <laughs> and it, I was so annoyed at that point. But... It's, you walk away from that and like that evening I remember thinking about it and I was like fuck you're so right like this guy was trying to help me right so if I didn't know it I would have learnt something but even if I did know it he's still trying to help me shut the fuck up you know like be humble and um, that's important so what, 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 what need did I need to talk there he, this guy's giving me his time he's trying to show me something um, it's always sat in my head that and it's like if you want to you want to, like, the, the smartest guy is normally the guy that's quiet and observes, isn't he? He just sits there and watches everything. And then when it's his time, he, he then says or strikes, you know? And I think that's important. Um, so, yeah, um, for the, all of this stuff, man, it's uh, nobody wants better for everyone than me. But sometimes they don't think that, do they? Well, that's them, not you. You don't, you don't need to worry about that. That's true. Yeah? That's true. But, mate, I love it here. I think it's, I'm so... Uh, not many things I'm proud of in life, you know, my kids and stuff, but, like, th this... This is... Um, well, I'm I, proud I, of this work. I tell life. everyone, I, I, you know, I mean, granted, you know, my experience in this sort of thing is, like, very limited, like, six or seven years I've been doing this for, yeah. you know, doing jiu-jitsu for anyway, and I would say this facility is probably the best facility in the Southwest. Thanks, man. You know, with... With, with its layout, you know, you've got a good little gyms, you've got your, your instructors and stuff here. Are, yeah. You know, lo lots of versatility and yeah. lots of different characters able to input things. Yes. That's that's a, that's a really good thing to have, I think. Yeah. Uh, you go to some, some gyms, uh, like world-class gyms, but if you look at the students, they they move like the instructors. They they act and talk and it's like like almost like, they're becoming mini like watered down versions of the coach. I don't want that here. I want I want people to be themselves. I want I want individual games. Mm. I don't want someone to roll like me because you're not me, you know. And that's where it's, again understanding things on a fundamental level. Once you understand that, you you got your base and you build your own art. That's martial arts. You build your own art from that. Yeah. That. yeah. The, the, the fundamentals have to be a dictatorship. They have to be a set in stone. And then from that base, you build. However, you like your house, you build it your own, your own yeah. way. So, um, SPG, you were doing trips up to Manchester? Yeah, so I got all my belts from Carl up to Brown Belt. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, basically, so I, a good training partner I had from when I was with both white belts was uh, Gunnar Nelson. Um, so, a lot of people know about his he fights in the UFC and ADCC. Uh, 2009, I think he got third, third, fourth place in the absolute. I'd have to Google it, but I'll say yeah. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> sorry Gunny, if I didn't get that right, but you know you can, you can get on with it. <laughs> um, 
so yeah, um, we train together uh, pretty much every now and again, every every once a year maybe even. We'd go up to Manchester, we'd meet up, train, stay there for a week, two weeks, whatever. So we went through that, um, got to our brown belts pretty much the same time. He then went away to Henzo Gracie's for a year. Um, which is in New York? Which is in New York. Yep. Um, obviously, one of the biggest, best jiu-jitsu gyms in the world. Um, he came back after about a year. We trained together and, and he just was on a whole new level. Whooped my ass. So, me being me, I was like, oh, shit. I didn't realize there's a whole new level to this. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I had to get myself out there. So, I, I ended up going out there for about a year. Um, training with, uh, under, you know, uh, Henzo, John Danaher. Uh, a main guy that I actually trained under was a guy called Eric Owens, who was John, one of John Danaher's, uh, I guess, top guys, Henzo's top guys. Yeah, yeah. He fought in the old um, IFL days, uh, MMA and whatnot. Well, he, he trained over there. He was friends with Gunny as well, but he um, he was setting up his own gym called Mushin at the time. Right. Um, so, and I ended up living with him, actually, as well in his, in his apartment. Um, so, basically, my days really entailed... I would train at Henzo's at 10 o'clock competition class. And that was like full of, it's all black. I was a brown belt at the time, so it was all full of black belts. So I was lucky enough to get in there. Um, and there's all like world champions were just, just killers. Um, then at tw- one o'clock or 12 o'clock, I'd then train in John Danaher's class. And then later in the evening, I'd then train with Eric for about an hour as well. Um, so that was my life pretty much for, for a year. Um, and then what I what I learned the most from that is work ethic and, and, and having certain like more just rebacking up a lot of the mindset of approach to training. Uh, it wasn't really till I came back to Plymouth and I had no one to train with apart from lots of white belts and blue belts. That was when I improved massively, insane. Because I took took on the, that you know the things I learned from New York and whatnot and that mindset and applied it to my training and that. Like literally week by week, my game just improved. Was that teaching and coaching as teaching well? Teaching and coaching, yeah. So one of the things that you know, I've I've also found, we've, we've teaching in, in lots of different things, not just you know, grappling. Is that you improve so much more and you understand so much more by teaching. Yeah. If you just say, for instance, you teach a subject that you know nothing about, you will learn more from that subject by actually teaching it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember when I started teaching, there was basically nobody around. So my coach, Simon, had quit. So it was sort of left on me. I didn't want to coach. It wasn't my goal. I just liked training and whatnot and competing. Um, so I just started teaching um, to help out. Um, but uh, yeah, I soon realized I, you'd get asked questions. I didn't know the answer. But you'd sort of have to analyze it on the spot. So, so you'd, I'd what? be honest and be like, oh, I don't really know. But then we'd look at it, analyze it. And then you'd come to it an answer, um, at least one you thought was right, and then you know in time it would not be right or not be right from <laughs> yeah. from basically doing the experiment yourself, you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, here's the thing with that: you're one hundred percent right. Coaching definitely helps. The mistakes I've made in the past is, and, I've, and I only know this because I've done it myself. As a coach, the the big mistake you can have is that it can also create a platform to grow your ego and once that happens it's so hard to come back on because 
if you're the guy coaching, you are looked at as the highest guy or the guy that must know, and if he must know, he must therefore be better than everyone else and all this. Yeah, yeah. That's the sort of natural thing that happens. Um, and it's happened, especially when I was a blue belt and a purple belt, it crippled me in my purple belt years um, because I just thought I was untouchable. You know, it, it's the ego, isn't it? And, and because obviously around at the time, there wasn't really many people around. I was better than everyone else. Yeah. But on a very shitty level, do you know what I mean? When you're for the best person around, but everyone else is terrible, but you just don't know they're terrible, you're going to think you're a god, aren't you? And it's like, it wasn't really till then I went to Henzo's that I realized, you know, that whole new level of just getting smashed by, you know, other guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it's a terrible thing because, you know, I, I see it all the time and I've made mistakes before where certain people become coaches and it's actually, it's ruined them really. Um, and I've got to pay attention a lot more to that as well, to be honest. But if you can get past that, then, um, you know, if you can overcome that, then that'd be fine. Yeah, carry on, mate. There's a f- alarms going on. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> Eaves. Someone's broke into my car. Um, so, yeah, mate, I, I think if you can just, again, still keep being humble yourself, because what will happen is you start to coach and then you start to avoid certain roles because you, you, know, you don't want yourself to look silly and whatnot. Just just let it go. Just let that shit go and just get, get tapped out. If you can, again, if, if from a childhood you were taught that it's okay to lose and that's not a problem, this wouldn't be a problem now. You know, you, 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 everything you choose to do is just develop so well. If I think kids develop so well is because one of the reasons is they haven't got any preconceived ideas of what they should be and shouldn't be. They just enjoy what they do. Yeah. And they're just soaking the knowledge up. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, but coaching most definitely helps because you, you have to understand what you're talking about. So when you came back from from New York, did you did you set up somewhere? Cause you were brown belt then, uh, weren't you? Yeah, I had I had my own little place, like a dungeon, garagey <laughs> place. I walk in there every every day, like a bucket of water, be just holding the drips from the ceiling. Beautiful. And I'd sometimes walk in there, be like a dead rat inside it or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we had our own place, but it sort of my focus wasn't on business, not at all. I just I just like training and teaching people, so. Um, I end up going to another gym, um, and just for the last few, for a few years, I just working out of other gyms, really, um, bringing my my students along to there, uh, and just building up from there, really. But um, for some reason or another, I'd always, always always end up just falling out with people that owned the gyms and whatnot because you you sort of as a business per- person, you're trying to make money. As a as a martial artist, you just want what's best for the students yeah they don't yeah. always they don't always go together you know and that's why now i have my own place and i can put the two together really well um i know i know what it takes to get a, good, a gym successful but i also know what it takes to be a good martial arts instructor and you just put the two together um they need to work together even though they're quite separate entities sometimes yeah but if you have one rowing in one direction and you're rowing in another direction it's just it's never going to work um and it takes trust, so sometimes most people don't like to trust other people with their own business, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, it is a natural thing, really. I never really wanted to set my own gym up, not until I was a lot older, but uh, here I am. Old, fat, disabled, and my own business. 
Doing good, mate. Living the if dream. I tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, man. So, so as why did you get into training? Where did I start? Yeah. Uh, I was surfing quite a lot. I was I was based in North Devon, and um, in between, the waves aren't particularly good in the UK. They, you know, you then you might have a, a decent surf, like maybe maybe once a month. So in between doing that, you know, I just had a lot of dead space between, you know, um, you know, I had a family, got family going home, got work and stuff, but. I just wanted something in between. Um, uh, I'd done a bit of Krav Maga before. I give it a go. You really, you really have hit the worst of them, haven't you? Yeah. Well, no. So, so what I did was, uh, you know what? I, I emailed a few, a few people. So uh, Martin Stapleton, who's um, yes. yeah, up in Rochdale. He trained um, at my SPG gym in, in Plymouth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Back. yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Yeah. So um, he actually went with SPG in the end. He moved, he went with under Carl and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah. They've got, uh, was it full contact performance they've got up right. in uh, Rochdale? Um, yeah, still keep in touch with him every now and again, but, you know, he's doing his thing now, isn't he? Yeah. Um, so, you know, I text him and asked him, you know, you know, what, what's his thoughts? You know, is there anything I could do? And he's like, yeah, you know, try, try jiu-jitsu. So I had a little look around, um, some martial arts areas in Exeter and stuff, and Exeter BJJ was there. You had uh, Darren Yeoman's fight works in... Yeah. In Taunton, so, and I just—it wasn't the easiest option, but it was the closest option, which yeah. was uh, training with James Hodges, uh, ex at BJJ. Yeah, James, yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, I just started going there and uh, started my ass getting humbled straight away from day one, week yeah. one. You know, being a marine, yeah, you're a soldier. What are yeah, you, doing? <laughs> you know, being a Royal Marines commander, you're like, yeah, I'm nails. I can <laughs> knock someone out in one punch, and then. You know, you go somewhere like that, and like you were saying, you know, earlier, you've got this little sixty kilo guy wrapping you up into knots, and yeah. you know, I got twenty kilos on him, and I'm like, that. How does this yeah. even work? <laughs> um, but what I found really interesting about it, it wasn't. I've never been in it to compete or anything like that. I just found the technical aspect really, really interesting. Yeah. There is no. Like, for instance, I don't know how much about cry, but cry is a set amount of cutters you have to yeah, do to certain yeah. things. They're all set movements. It's, it's very similar with all striking sports. Once you once you grasp your you know your cross, your strike, and all, it's, it's really just a blend of rhythm and a, a dance, so to speak. Um, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. There's, where, where, where's jiu-jitsu, there's constant changing of patterns. And, yeah. And, 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 and like... It's like trying to chase an equation that keeps changing, you know? It's like two plus two, and you're about to answer, and it's like, add four, take away one, times four. It's, it's constantly changing, you've got to chase it. There's so many diverse little things to it that it keeps you entertained. Now, I'm the same with my mind. I get bored very easily, like with anything. So, jiu-jitsu definitely has kept me uh, engaged the longest, because um, yeah. it's so diverse, and there's so many things to it to improve. It could be like Bruce Lee, be like water. Yeah, yeah, because water's always changing, and that's why you know changing and moving. And okay, yeah, it's it's a uh, a, a cheesy concept. However, it's very true. Yeah, man, Bruce Lee is insane when you think of his philosophies and how much knowledge he would have had. Bear in mind, he wasn't a fighter. 
he, he didn't, you know, he didn't have jujitsu and all these things. But he was so spot on. I think it was in the 60s or maybe the 70s. Yeah. yeah. Somebody asked him, what, what do you need to be, if you want to be a complete all-round decent fighter, what do you need? And he said, probably boxing and wrestling. It's like, wow. That's it's insane. Uh, I, I've never really followed the whole Bruce Lee thing, but like I'll talk about things sometimes and everybody always bring up a quote. Oh, you mean like Bruce Lee said, da 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 da. So then I'd, I'd, I'd read a little bit and I'm like, wow, he's, he's, he's so. Don't know how that figured, he figured that stuff out. Looking from his reading a couple of books, I had The Art of Jeet Kune Do when I was, yeah. when I was younger. I just found it interesting because of his concepts were like yes. quite groundbreaking for the time. And you think back in that time as well, martial arts was very, judo is very, you know, um, very formal and formatted. You know, there's there's there's, there's set regimes and, um, uh, you know, they're all very strict with everything. Yeah. And and okay, yeah, you could you could compare that with where your discipline and, and mindset comes with, but he had an open mind with yeah. things, and that's why I think he was unique, is because. What he was doing was, um, you know, his kung fu stuff, but he also incorporated a lot of other things that he learnt off other people yeah, into he, things. He got rid of the or tried to get rid of the tradition. You know, it's just the biggest thing that holds humans back. It's sticking. Well, it's been like this for a thousand years. It's great if if, if we thought like that, we'd still be living in caves. You yeah. Know? So, so going back to like you know what you were saying, the, re, the or what you were asking is, um, I just. Because jiu-jitsu is always changing all the time, it's very conversant with surfing, surfing, right. surfing, yeah, yeah. surfing. Because when when you paddle out or you go through waves, or every wave is different, it's not the same. And it's the same with jiu-jitsu, where your training partners are never going to do the same movements every single time. Mm. When you're when you've been taught a set movement, you know, let let's just say. Um, you know, um, a half guard sweep. Every single time you do that half guard sweep is never going to be the same yeah. because that person's body weight's going to be different. It's going to be here, so everything's different. So many it's not, yeah, right? Yeah, it's it, all there. It's like I always use surfing as sort of an analogy. It's like, you know, I could teach a move, but then you go and try and perform it. It's like it's impossible. You need to spend time on it. So it's the same as surfing, I guess. I've never surfed, but I'm always guessing this. So I might be making this up and I've wasted years. Yeah, yeah. But I'd imagine the first time you surf, they get the board out, lay it on the floor, and they teach you how to jump. Fundamentals. Right. So so they jump onto the board, how to move left, right, blah, blah, blah. It's like then saying, okay, there, there's the sea, go, go surf. You can't because there's all that invisible energy that's involved. I think Bradley used to have invisible jiu-jitsu. That's a really good idea. That I love that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's invisible. Like the things that are going on, the pressures and the energies that you... So SPG always tried to break that down and, and explain that a lot more. Gunny does that very well. Um, and that's really the fundamentals. You, it's understanding that is the most important thing. Um, the moves... I mean, you could, get, you could get six world champions and teach you a cut-through pass. And each one of them would do it different, slightly yeah. different, you know? And you'd be like, well, that guy must be right because he's a world champion. But then that guy's right because he's a world champion. That it's like you, you take all of those six and you look for the common ground between all of them, and you slowly start to work on what the fundamental is between them all, the concepts. What What I came to fa find was, you know, especially as a white belt early on, was that you get taught a technique, one you know, one session, and then you might move on to another technique on another session 
but you were never ever going to remember the complexities of what you'd been taught because you're never going to you're never going to get it straight away Mm -hmm. so what i always used to say to people and what what i got out of it was if i took one thing away one thing away from that session whether it was a really really small minute thing whether it was how i turned my foot in or where to put my knee and i remembered that next time then i'm getting better because of that i'm never going to remember the set format of how to how to do that maneuver because your mind can't absorb it or the majority 99 percent of the world's population can't absorb information and then do it straight away yeah. has to be practiced yeah. you know and that's what i'm saying where between surfing and jiu-jitsu is very similar even though they're two separate entities yeah. is because you learn by doing I, it and practice in I time i find such a crossover with most things like once you think this way and what i mean jiu-jitsu really highlights it but like i, I start i used to play a lot of snooker and stuff and i started playing again for years but i find such a crossover even with that um different sports are more specific in certain areas like some are more based on like your mental strength and fit or others are physical or some tech whereas, whereas jiu-jitsu really encompasses all of it is it together is it sort of you've got to get all of them quite balanced and well blended together to for them to work so yeah mate uh, i think um definitely you just you need to <clears throat> definitely need to have that that mindset and balance towards it and everything um yeah so you were, um, you're a brown belt. You're doing bits and bobs in different uh, in in different gyms. Um, how did you go about receiving your black belt uh, yeah. then? Um, well, so so I got my because of my obsessive behaviours. I got um, I got my brown belt pretty quick. About three years, three maybe three and a half years. I got my brown belt. That's pretty quick, right? For for yeah, um, yeah. and it was all performance based, so I, I wouldn't get it unless I was. Guys. Oh yeah. So, so 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 basically, like with Carl, like to get my brown belt, I remember going up there and um, he was basically he had a seminar thing going on, and I had to do what they do in Iron Man. So he'd call you out in the middle. I didn't know what's going on until you're halfway through it. Yeah. And basically, you'd line everyone up and you'd have to go through every single person until there's a submission. Okay. So from white belt all the way up to the black belts. So it was like it went on for about an hour. And I can still remember now. I, well, I was sick for four days after that. <laughs> I, I just, and as soon as you got tapped, the next guy's on you, and you're just going from wherever, wherever he grabs you. Made hideous, hideous. Um, and I got my, I got my brown belt off that. But yeah, it was, that was the toughest belt to ever get in that way because I literally was ill for four days. I, think I got the flu from just running my immune system down. Yeah, damn Hideous. Um, so. Basically, Carl, Carl actually disappeared. I won't get into that, but he had some things going on and I didn't know what was happening. I tried to <clears throat> contact him and whatnot. So then I got the opportunity to go to, to, to New York. So I messaged Carl, let him know I'm going to New York. Um, but there, there was like sort of radio silence from Carl's end. He was a little bit like that, um, bless him. He had to still like disappear for a while and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> so I came back from New York and I, I didn't, after about a year, I didn't have a coach or anything. So. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't really care. I, I, like at that point, I just loved training. And I, you, when you're really comfortable with who you are, what, what you're doing, what, what level you're at, you really could be honest about yourself. Like you don't need belts or anything. So I wasn't wasn't caring about the belt. I mean, I knew I was sort of close to it in New York because a few of the guys and Eric would say, um, 
that they're thinking about, you know, the next belt and whatnot. But at that point, because I was loving the training so much and I could really actually see physically the improvement week by week. Yeah. That's what all I cared about. That's all I wanted. Um, so I spent the next four years just training in Plymouth and I trained, obviously, with my, I had my white belts and my guys and blue, some blue belts to train with. And I trained with um, two, Gunny now and again, but then I trained with mainly with a guy called Luke Costello yep. um, and Tom Barlow at the time. Both completely opposite games. Like Tom is like very athletical, very, very like very. What's the right word? Um, very physically attributed games. Like he was an ex gymnast, I think. So he's just very go 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 sort of style. Um, and then you had Luke, who was just like Hulk smash kind of massive guy. Um, both technical and both very good at what they've done. You know, so I had sort of very good contrast of training partners and that aspect but um and then train with my own guys that to be honest i got better training with my own guys just because you've got a low level guy that you can basically drill against yeah yeah but he is resistant um so it's constantly i could go for hours with people like that um and then braleo esteemer so it was, I, I trained with braleo quite a few times while i was in new york i also trained with a few times previous because uh tom was under braleo okay. so tom would get braleo down to do seminars and that was actually when I was a brown belt under Carl, um, and it was actually that was the first time I ever got to roll with a really high level guy was Bradley at the seminar, and he absolutely mullered me. <laughs> and I was like, "This can't be happening." I'm a brown belt. That <laughs> yeah. must have been like his prime when he was doing like ADCC. And yeah, that I think just before. Well. I, think ju I think just before. Yeah, because um, yeah, it was hideous. Um, he had just I think he won the Gi World Championships and stuff at Black Belt at that point. Um, so yeah, and that's when I was like, okay, I don't, I don't want my black belt until I can at least hang with somebody like that. Yeah, I don't not, no, just hang. Um, then obviously went to New York, come back, trained for the next four years or so, and just massively improved. You know, started getting good roles with Gunny and stuff. In and then um, Braglio came down because I was actually joining teams with Tom actually. Okay. So um, the gym I was at. Didn't get on with them for whatever reasons because I'm getting too boring. Yeah. Um, went to join up with Tom because we trained together for so so long. Um, and Braglio had come down to do a seminar and I rolled with Braglio and uh, done pretty good. So he yeah gave him a black belt then. I was just it's funny because they joked about it when when he gave him a black belt they said they've never seen him be so miserable getting a black belt. <laughs> I wasn't not miserable. One I was tired. Yeah. Um. But two, it's like I can explain it. I was so I was proud to get it, one hundred percent, especially for someone like like Braleo, you know. But uh, you know when you you know what level you're at, it's not like suddenly I give you a purple belt and wow, I'm a purple belt level. Mm. I'd already been rolling with well black belt level guys at Henzo's constantly. Um, I even went up to Braleo's and trained, um, helped him train for the ADCC up there. So you had. I'm sorry, this is stupid alarms going on. That's all right. There we go, it's off. It's good. Um, so, yeah, he, he, I even went up to Braleo to train for the ADCC. I forgot which one now for him. Um, and you had people like Cyborg, Pavel Popovich, Agato, Victor. Um, so I knew what level I was at. It's like, you know what I mean? I wasn't, wasn't getting beat up by anyone. So I was, I was happy just training in that. Um, but he gave him a black belt then, so that was really cool. But I just it wasn't like a surprise, you know what I mean? I knew eventually at some point it's going to come if I keep training anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't really a focus of mine. It was just 
um, just I just love training, man. I just really love training. Um, it's, it just kept me happy. So yeah, um, and then here we are now, man. Um, Bralio sort of branched off a little bit. Well, he didn't branch off, but he was just he Bralio was under his name, Bralio yeah. Steamer. But then he, he sort of completed himself, being completely under like Gracie Baja. So the, 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 it all sort of changed a little bit. I didn't want to be under Gracie Baja because uh, you know me, mate. I'm a bit of a loner, rebel, lone wolf. Yeah. Um, I like to run things the way I want to. Um, maybe that's right. Maybe that's wrong. I don't know. But you know, this is my hard work for the last twenty years. Um, and I always appreciate every bit of help everyone's given me. Um, got nothing but great things to say about all my coaches. Um, fantastic. But uh, I just wanted to run things how I wanted to. Um, and then Ben Popperton came along um, with Gord the Gordo group. Um, chatted to him. In fact, the f I wasn't sure what I was going to do because I know I needed like the whole tags and things on your belts to help progress. I, yeah. I'm not into all that stuff. I just like training. Yeah. And, and so, but I needed these tags. So basically I spoke to Ben, but it was actually, I wasn't sure if I was going to go with him or no, but it was actually Ben's opening line on a message to me that made me think, I like this guy. He, it was Simon McGovern who got me onto Ben and sent me his number and said, give him a chat. So Ben actually texted me. He said, hey, hey mate, this is Ben. Um, uh, and he gave me his credentials. He said, I'm just sending you them so you don't think I'm some guy like Dave Dan. <laughs> I was like, all right, this guy sold me. I like him already. So, um, yeah, and then who we are, man. And they sort of seem for such a good group at the minute. Like, everything's going so great. And they don't ask for anything, you know what I mean? They just want to do what's good for the for the, for the, for the game. And that's that's nice. You know, that's Where did the uh, flow martial arts concept come from? The name? Well, just the whole thing. So, like you know, obviously you were, you got oh, your gym. Yeah, gym. so you got yeah. the black you got your black belt from uh, from Brown. So, so Bayhead, this is funny. So years before, when I first started Valley Tudo with Simon, that a guy that would pop in now and again was a guy called Darren Darren Hess, um, and he was like the old school uh, style you know, Valley Tudo MMA fighter, and he's just a strong ass like gorilla of a man. Still is. Still is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, so he he would train. So he would actually sometimes teach. He was teaching me things back then and whatnot. Um, ten years later, he went away working in uh, Iraq or whatever. Um, but then when I started teaching back here and at Tom's, and he came along, um, came back training. Um, uh, so yeah, he um, he just fell in love with it again. Um, you know. You know, because he's obviously hitting towards 50. Um, <laughs> Probably older. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he was just really happy that, you know, he could get back training. He just fell in love with it again. And he, uh, he offered me to go into business together to set up a, a gym. It took me about a year to, to, to you know, whether I wanted to or no. Because I didn't really want to get involved, like I said, that much. But things weren't going well at the other gym. So I was like, you know what, it's... it's, it's, it's Time waits for no man. He's got to do it. Um, it's been tough. There's no doubt about it. We've had all sorts of ups and downs and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's gone well and we're in a good place now. So let's get this damn COVID over and get everyone back to normal. Yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird time for that, isn't yes. it, really? Yeah. I think most people know my feelings on that whole thing. But yeah, yeah I'm not even going to go down Just that Just check rubber the Facebook hole. feed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of, I think, this is the thing, my, my Facebook, it's like... Um, Half the stuff I don't even know what I believe, but I damn well like getting triggers out of people. 
Yeah. That's my source of entertainment. Love a good rise. Oh, God, yeah. I could just, just post something to get a little rise. I just started posting Trump speeches now. So that's going to get a rise, isn't it? <laughs> Always does. Uh, I just can't, like, yeah, it's a funny world, man. It's a funny world, but at the same time, as much as it annoys me, I sort of like it. I like this world. Be shit without it, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. <laughs> but especially now you've got you you know you've got this place and stuff. I know, mate. I know. And we we the first um, in business terms, we we broke even actually in the first six months with this place. Oh, really? Insane, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen and whatnot. But I was like, wow. Um, but then we we invested so. Well, I say we, Darren, especially mainly invested so much money that we sort of didn't have the room for marketing. Um, so we spent like two years of running through what we can, but then we started marketing just before Christmas and we straight away noticed like such an increase um, of business. And then the damn COVID came. It's like they knew, man. Yeah. They just didn't want me to... Uh, you had some Chinese spies in there, I reckon. I reckon and that's so. why they released it, yeah, yeah. just to fuck yeah. you right over. <laughs> But yeah, I think um, it's going to be good. I think hopefully it's going to be like the Christmas rush, you know, after after this is over. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what the damn rules are going to be. Like you know, you have to stand on one leg and close one eye before know. you step in the place. I've seen some, you know, granted people want to get their gyms back and running. I think if you've got your own sort of like physical gym where you've got weights and stuff or like CrossFit, it's all right because you've got that space. Yeah. Grappling's grappling. You need a part. Well. Yeah, it, you need a live partner really, and having dummies and stuff like that is, I don't know. But the, 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 there's there's part of it, part of me that goes, yeah, that's good because you can practice doing certain things. But there's also an unrealistic element which yeah, you're not really going to develop from not, it either. It's not the same. It's not. It's not what I'm about. It's, it's like it's going to be hard if we have to go down that that down that route because it's not what I do. You know, it's, it's, that's a whole different thing really yeah it's just almost like everyone's gonna be faking it you know what i mean like suddenly everybody's a fitness coach it's like come on um i know plenty of them yeah 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 <laughs> me too <laughs> but um so i don't know man and it's so frustrating it's like take responsibility yourself if you don't want to get anything stay at home just so stay at home you know what i mean but there's a lot of people that rely on this for their mental health which is also really really important like, it's like mate it's blown my mind how many people have messaged me over the last few years but how much has it helped them mentally and they haven't got it now it's just like that's important too you know what i mean yeah yeah There's a lot of things are important in life um so to me it's just you know freedom's important and taking responsibility for yourself so um i don't know well what, what's going to happen but i went to um obviously my, my daughter was born uh, yeah that's right uh, yeah. congratulations thank you man that's uh six days ago now yeah um but even now, I walked into the hospital. I don't know what the rules were, so me being me, I just walk in like, and it's it's like a scene out of Star Wars. Like everybody's got these masks and stuff on, um, and we went. I went to the cafe bit, and you know you got all these different rules. Stand here, look that way, don't look that way, blah blah blah. And they come out with like these like you know the the the, the, the nuclear reactor suits. <laughs> they come out, pass you what the food. But then you walk over, get the cutlery, and everyone's just sticking their hands in the cutlery. It's like, it's like it feels like everybody's just, as long as they look like they're trying to do something, it's all going to be okay. You know right. I, mean? I, I, do you know, what? I, I was going to, um, I was going to do, like a half-hour podcast, just kind of ranting about that. Yeah. Because, you know, my my wife, she works for the NHS in clinical health, so you know, she she, 
she looks at different studies um, uh, for the NHS. Um, you know, she does the trials for drugs and stuff to see if different things can help people in different ways. Um, and uh, I, I see people, I, I understand that people are scared. Don't get me wrong. You know, I've got the empathy towards that. But then when you see people wearing a mask that's underneath their nose yeah. and they're riding a bike, you're like that. Okay, brilliant. Well, you've got parents that have got face masks on. Yeah. But then their two-year-old that they're holding in their arms yeah. hasn't. Um, I, I think, or, or you're wearing a mask and you're driving on your own. Yeah, I admit, it's like it's like going to bed single wearing a condom. You know. <laughs> Do you know what? The, 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 this is the last time I'm going to sound this because you know I could go on for absolutely ages ranting about this. Right? But so I went in, I went into uh, into a car, and there's a woman. She had a face mask on and she had some rubber gloves. No, it was boots. It was boots. Sorry. Right. And she went. She was at the counter. And uh, they said to her, would you like some hand sanitizer? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. So she put her stuff onto the, um, uh, onto the counter, put this hand sanitizer, and rubbed the hand sanitizer into her gloves, right? <laughs> she then got the hand sanitizer and just rubbed it on the keypad for the, uh, for the card machine. So the woman started scanning. So the person, the boots woman behind the counter, she'd, she didn't have gloves on, on a mask. She grabbed all of the stuff that she put behind the counter and started scanning it and put it down. She then handed her all of the things back once she'd paid for it. The woman then took a glove off, got her stuff and put it into her bag and then put a glove back on and then re-hand sanitized herself. And I was like that. Genius. Do you not understand Genius. the concept of contamination? Right. You cannot sanitize the world. You can't. You just can't. But look, don't, don't get me wrong. Yeah, I understand that. I reckon if the media started pumping out like every single person that went over by a bus that week, we'd all start being like panicking about buses. I mean, Gary's ideal for that because he pumps loads of stats out, doesn't he? <laughs> you know, he was saying stuff about like, you know, he, he was the first person to start pumping all the stats out. This is how many people died of influenza this year. <laughs> Covid's right down to the bottom of that list. What are you on about? Oh, mate, it's a bizarre world. And I think, I don't know, whatever. Everyone gets sensitive about it, don't they? But um, I think it will come out in the wash in the end, hopefully, along with uh, Epstein's list. Yeah, that's a different podcast yeah, altogether, right there, isn't it? Have you got any future plans for this place, or you know what? what have yeah, you... mate, we've always got endless plans. Um, more classes that we've got to get more classes on eventually. Later ones, um, we're just trying to build more more members up. Um, we're going to have redo this whole area up here. Um, it's like a cafe bar area going to go in there eventually. Yeah. Um, and there's all mate, I, I could go on forever in a day, all sorts of plans. We still want to change up there eventually. Um, see how the next couple of years go. Might might even extend or, or whatever. We've got some big plans. Some are quiet at the minute. But, um, yeah, it's all good stuff. It all depends on how, how everything goes. Um, I get really paranoid, so like I'm worried about the economy and stuff right now. But... Um, just, just improvement, man. Just improvement. Um, gonna get us. I want to get a, a friend of mine down to do a seminar actually on breathing. Okay. I haven't spoke to him yet about it. He doesn't know nothing. About <laughs> asking him. Yeah. But I will do because I didn't realise he'd done it. Um, and my fr another friend of mine who knows him was talking to me that he's qualified in this, and I have seen the old post that you put up about you know how important breathing is in jujitsu and whatnot. It's so bizarre because I spent a good time twelve years ago. Um, 
and I always bring it up now, one of the biggest changing points in my game was when I, someone taught me how to breathe better. And I only know like 3% of this, this, this breathing game, but mm. it, that 3% made a complete difference. Um, so I always bang on about it. And, you know, so like, it'd be good to get someone down who could maybe uh, put that across to people. I mean, I go on to, I tell my guys about it, but, you know, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyways, what's the nearest, how do you get that footlock? It's like, yeah. you know, people don't want to look at some of the, again, that's a fundamental thing. In fact, it's probably more fundamental before anything else. Yeah. If you can't breathe, you can't do Simple, we take it to a far extreme on the other way. If we roll for, if we say we roll for 30 seconds and we'll go at it, but you've got to hold your breath for 30 seconds and then we go for another minute afterwards, I'm going to beat you. You know what I mean? It's and probably the same the other way. Yeah. You know, so it's, um, breathing's massive. Because the first thing to go, you get stressed and all that, your breathing's gone. Everyone gets, you know, they ain't trained for a while or, or the people go, oh yeah, my cardio's terrible. It's not, it's your efficiencies are terrible. You're not very efficient. Yeah. You're burning more energy than you realize you need. You're getting more stressed. Your breathing's out. If your breathing's out, everything's out. Yeah. You, you know, so, yeah. So I, I want to get a guy that, and I want to get Ben Popperton down to do a seminar. And then once we've got them guys down, I want to then get some, maybe a couple more big names come yeah. down. People love that, don't they? I might get Gunny down again as well. Keep me in the middle. Yeah. I mean, you I've had... not seen him for ages. We, we always keep in touch, but we like that. We don't see each other for bloody like a year or so. And then we just meet up and carry on as normal. But, I haven't seen him for a long time since he opened this place. That's the last time we, we caught up. And he messaged me the day to come over to Iceland, but then the COVID happened. Um, so I might get him down here um, again. That'd be nice. Um, so yeah, man, we have, we've got loads of things in the pipeline. I've got to change timetables and all that as well. Yeah. Now. So I want to get a wrestling coach in more permanently. Um, so we'll get there. We'll get there. It's all work in progress. Yeah, mate. awesome. If people want to see where the gym is and what you've got on, where do they need to go for it? Uh, the website. Um, so we were on we're on Facebook. So Flow Martial Arts F L O. Um, we also have a website that needs updating. I think now it's about a year old. Um, which is Flow. What's that? Minus sign in hyphen the, hyphen Martial Arts. Um, all with hyphens between it. Or, um, more importantly, just come down. Just come down and check the place out when we're open again. Um, we're on Valley Road in Plimpton. Uh, we're on Unit we're unit 9. So, um, yeah, just come down and check the place out. You get a week's free trial as well for anybody who wants to just give the place uh, a check out. I'm not sure when we're going to be open. They're talking about the 25th of gyms, but like I say, I think that's different for us. So I'm yeah. going to chuck another month on top of that, I reckon, to, until we're full back about full-time training I guess um, that's just me guessing yeah maybe less because they seem to be speeding up a lot more now because they realise they made a mistake they do what <coughs> they want <don't> they? <laughs> they do what they want <laughs> so yeah just come down guys um, and uh, but I think probably Facebook's the best place for all the latest information um, what I have been doing with my current members because bless them and I just want to shout this out as well to all the members that have continued paying their membership from the bottom of my heart I thank you so much because uh, it just it just goes to show how important this is for people and what it means to them. You know, um, to keep the place running is, is massive. Um, I think everyone, like I say, it, it means so much to people. This place that you know they'd happily pay pay that money. Um, and what we try to do is on Instagram, I set up a, a page for the members to continue like getting some some kind of technical information yeah. or whatever. So that's the, the you've got um, judo, jiu-jitsu, There's a bit of striking on there. Boxing, boxing. kickboxing, yeah. Thai boxing, um, yeah. So MMA. So there's a little bit of fitness classes. 
Um, so yeah, and I think I think we're gonna get, try and get Will to push because Will, um, little Will trains here. He's he's highly qualified in strength and conditioning, but he um, he just needs a little push sometimes. He's quite young, so he needs a little push towards uh, just getting himself out there a bit more. But um, I'm hoping that he's gonna sort of build things up this year a little bit. Um, maybe get some classes going. Um, What's Will's website? Will's website. I don't know. Will, Will Conway. He's on, on, on Instagram. So Will. Uh, William Conway or Will Conway um, strength conditioning um, but yeah he's um, he just needs to get out he's young you know what I mean so you know, it's like that age I won't even come close to doing anything like that but he's he's, you know, he's, he's, he's highly qualified and also he does jiu-jitsu good level so he's going to have a good experience in the next couple of years so that would be nice um, uh, get some kettlebell classes on as well you need to get like kettlebell classes and things like that going uh, that's pretty much what I can think of right now. Nice. Yeah. Kenny, thanks for your time. Mate, thank you. And, um, yeah, we'll speak again soon. Yes, we'll do, mate, and good luck with the podcast. Thank Cheers. Thank thanks, mate. And that's it. Thanks to Kenny Baker for his stories. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and Spotify, leave a review, and also follow the Grumpy Surfer podcast on Instagram. Just search the Grumpy Surfer. Thanks for listening.